Hello and welcome again to Talking Flutes podcast with me, Claire Southworth, and I have with me John Paul Wright. Hello, 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 Claire. Hello, John Paul. Lovely coffee, and I'm just slurping away now. Yeah. I'm allowed to slurp it. Yeah, quietly. <laughs> <laughs> so we are trying to answer as many questions as possible, but the last podcast we only got through one, but it was a really important question yeah about recitals and arranging a concert program and it brought up lots of different areas didn't lots it different areas, hopefully to get you all thinking and planning maybe in a slightly different way what have you got this week for well us? today i've got a question from derek long who's mm-hmm. in manchester and he says the selection of flutes and head joints in particular is huge i'm 17 years old i want to upgrade my flute but i get confused when i play all the flutes on offer and then change head joints to those by other makers how do you suggest to your students that they should begin the process of finding the right flute and head joint? Oh, crikey. <laughs> That's difficult. I mean, you could say a simple answer is get yourself to a specialist flute shop. Yeah. And as you're in Manchester, you maybe you've got to get yourself down to London where there are the specialist flute shops. Good grief, though, but where do you start? Um, right, Professor of the Royal Academy of Music. Somebody comes, a student comes, they are really talented. They have a basic student flute, but you can really see that you've got an unpolished gem there. They get accepted into one of the world's leading conservatoires. But the first thing you're going to say is you need to change your flute. Mm-hmm. Would you say go to a specialist flute shop and try all the flutes and find the one that gives something to you? Or would you... Give them a bit of advice. In other words, to say, don't look at what I'm playing. Go and choose something that is going to fit with you. Yeah, I, I mean, I always say to my conservatory students, they should try every flute on offer. You, you basically try. You have a constructive approach to each one. It's not my job to say play what I play, uh, which I think would be totally irresponsible. And I would totally agree with you. Yeah, we're all physically different. We create different responses with each flute we play. Thank goodness. Mm, how boring life would be if we all made the same if sounds. If one, one flute fitted all, it'd be, it would be terrible. There is not one best flute out there. We're fortunate there are so many fantastic options, but you have to look for them. So yes, you take advice from your teachers and from specialists. And luckily, the specialist flute shops um, have people there who know what they're talking about. There are so many choices. So I would say that when you get to one of those places, that you make a list first about what you need to try on each flute. And do this before maybe changing the uh, head joints around. So if you try your head joint with many different flute bodies, so you keep something that's constant that you understand, that you know, that you feel. Right, so then you're feeling the smoothness and you're feeling the responsiveness of a new of, body. Of a new body. So the head joint okay. feels exactly the same because it is, it is the same. And, and then try your own flute body with the different head joints. Because mm. the head joint we know is, is a crucial yep. part of the flute sound. So that way you have a form of control and then you can make informed choices. Now, okay, your teachers steer you in the right direction. So there might be a Joe Bloggs flute that you know is not of, of a good enough standard, or you want them to get a sort of, not a, an entry-level flute, 
uh, or a step-up flute, but you want them to get a more professional flute, in mm -hmm. which case you can steer them in the right direction. Well, we're back doing our question, John Paul. We've had a little break, haven't we, John Paul? Would you we like had, to explain why we've had a little we break? We had a sudden break because when we were talking about the head joints before, I was oh. noticing on the console that we were getting peaks and troughs with the sound. Ebbs and flows. Ebbs and flows. and I was ebbing and you were flowing. Yeah, and it seemed to be that I was booming. Um, so we've actually changed the cables around, going from the microphones to the console. And I think we're slightly more balanced. Good. Well, you are. I'm certainly not a balanced individual. <laughs> going back to head joints, it's a nightmare subject, isn't it? Because very few people, that's, that's, that's rubbish actually, a lot of people play with different head joints on flutes, don't they? Yes, I mean, there's a good mixture of people who buy the, the complete flute, and, but now a, a lot of flutes you buy give the option of buying with different head joints, which is a great uh, development. Um, but it, you need to know what you're doing in order to pick, and it is a bit of a minefield out there. So maybe we should break it down into sort of tonal quality, mechanism and articulation. So this mm -hmm. is talking about the, the complete flute. So we talked a few minutes ago about trying your original head joint with a, with a new body and then your original body with a new head joint. So you can narrow things down a bit. And we're going to um, do this live. I'm not going to switch off. I'm actually going to, we're going to swap microphones here. So excuse the noise because... Um, I'm cutting out, and you're going in. So it just, just, just shows that we're a bit live, doesn't it? Definitely live. So, tone, mechanism, articulation. What does it sound or feel like? Is it easy or difficult to play? Is it responsive or restrictive? Does it have a variety of dynamics or colours? How easy is it to play in the very top register or the very low register? Are you in practice? Mm. So when you go to try new flutes and head joints, make sure that you've done some practice in the days leading up to it so you feel that you've got some sort of embouchure and your, your fingers can move, mm -hmm. and that you spend some time warming up on your original flute, the whole thing, before you start. Oh, so you have a reference point. You've got to have a reference point. Um, really important. Or you, and, and also you can also take somebody with you to listen to the resulting sounds, but sometimes the, 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 the results are so subtle that only you can feel it. So you can feel that something is more responsive, but you can't necessarily hear that. Yeah. So it's a case of we're all different. We all feel different things. Um, so in terms of the mechanism, is it light or heavy? Is it inline or offset? Is it low C or B foot? Um, how does that feel? Does it feel too heavy, too light? Have you got gizmos, like splitties? Have you got open holes? When you articulate, uh, does it speak? Is it easy to articulate? Try it in each register. I, I had a, a struggle picking a head joint years ago where I was very lucky that I was trying about six Louis Lot head joints. <laughs> I was spending hours trying these head joints, and one just sounded glorious, felt so much better than anything else, but I couldn't articulate with it. 
it was all blurred and fuzzy. Whereas another hedgerow that didn't sound so exquisite, but had, I could articulate really clearly on. And at the time I was practicing next, in a room next to Geoffrey Gilbert, who was teaching at, at the Royal Northern. And he'd been teaching all morning. And then he came into my room and said, you're still trying those head joints? I said, yes. He said, it's just a head joint. You know, you've, got, you've narrowed it down. You know what works, what doesn't work. It's a compromise. Pick the one that has the least compromise. And let's have lunch. <laughs> so the decision then became really quite quick. Because sometimes you can just spend such a long time and your head is confused and buzzing and you, you don't know what you should pick or what you should go for. So everything is a compromise. So it's what feels the easiest for you. Not necessarily the easiest to play, but what feels easiest to you. So it might be that it's slightly harder to blow, but gets a better result than a one that is very much more forgiving. And do you find that the head joint will open up to yourself once you've actually got the flute and then obviously the corresponding head joint, whether it be the, the same brand of the flute body or a different head joint, that it takes a little while for the head joint to open up to you. You can find where the, where, where the blowing edge is, where, you need, where the sweet spots are. It takes time to warm it up. It takes a huge amount of time. So you get the basics when you're trying it out in the shop. Ideally, the shop let you take away the flute to play for a week or two. Oh, to do some testing. Yeah. To do some testing. And I know there's a, quite a few shops that will do this. Mm -hmm. um, but be careful about going to a, a music shop that's had the same flute sitting on their shelf for <laughs> two years yeah. and are saying, this is the one you need. It's not. You need to go to a shop with the variety. So I'm not going to say to you, you've got to buy Joe Bloggs' flute or you buy Fred Smith's flute. No, there are loads. We are spoilt for choice. You need to find the one that, that is suitable for you. Because we all have identical chops, don't we? We all play the flute the same. Of course we do, <laughs> yes. It would be lovely if there was one flute fitted all, but no, it would, we'd, we don't want to sound the same. We all want to have our own unique characteristics. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because when I play a flute that somebody else is playing... We actually sound different on it. Even though the head joint is the same and the body's the same, we sound very different. Yes. Uh, I remember Julius Baker in a, in a class. Um, he had the most exquisite sound. Absolutely stunning. And, and he played beautifully in tune. And he could pick up any student flute and sound the same and still play in tune. Wow. And yet the students were playing out of tune. And... But he just knew how to, to shape, manoeuvre, control. You know, it was... It was master at work, master, yeah. A master flute player. So he, he could do that. And, of course, Sir James Gore is exactly the same. So they're able to, to play all these diff different flutes. But Joe Bloggs in the street can't do that. You have to go and try different things. I would say that you need to play similar excerpts on each flute. Mm-hmm. So comparison becomes easy. So it's no good if you play something in the high register on one flute and something that's low and quiet on the next flute combination. You play the same thing. So I, would, I always had a list of things to do. So I start off with just a beautiful tune that I could play on, on all the combinations. 
and I give little ticks for how I found mm -hmm. for how I found that, and then I would start to explore a little bit more. So maybe with dynamics, how easy was it to play the, the dynamics on each combination, and then different registers with those dynamics. And would you reduce the number of flutes and head joints? Yes, you uh, find that, Yeah, you find that you can discard things and say, right, I can't do that on this this combination. So that goes that mm -hmm. goes off to the side and different tonal colours, you know, what allows you to create the different sounds. Now, you might not be advanced enough to do that. So, in which case, it's, we're talking about a compromise again, that it's still got to be a flute that suits you. Would you recommend that they record themselves if they can, so they can hear the difference, or is that just elongating the agony? It's a little bit difficult unless you've got really good recording equipment because you can't always tell the quality of the sound. Sure. And when you're in a shop environment, it's very difficult. That's why to come away and, and be able to try those flutes is, is much easier. But as we said earlier on, we're all physically difficult. We create different responses with each flute we play. And it's, it's not one flute fits all. So you've got to be able to try lots of different ones. And the, reason, the reason is, is from coming from a, a making background, the, all the head joints are cut very differently. Yes. So there isn't a standard cut that every maker follows. And if they're hand cut, everyone mm. is different. Every, and everyone has imperfections because yes. it's cut by hand rather than CNC machine. Which creates the unique characteristic. Yes. Yeah. Hence why I love my LaFan head that's about 30 odd years old. Yeah. Because I, I'd imagine there's imperfections within it. Mm. And very interesting, Claire, because I remember when you were. Trying the platinum Miyazawa flute, and you had played previously a head joint that you fell in love with. I don't know. I don't know if that was platinum, but you you found a cut that you really like, and I think it had been done specifically because it was based around your Louis lot, wasn't it? Yes. So I had um, I had this this glorious Louis lot head joint on an American body flute, an Almeida. Oh, beautiful. And for me, it was, it was a fantastic combination. But I needed to, after many, many years, I just needed to upgrade. And I remember trying many different flutes, and I came across Miyazawa, and I loved it. Suddenly, I had, the mechanism was, was, was working much better. You know, it was, it was a new mechanism, uh, new advances. And the head joint wasn't as good as my Louis Lot head joint. No. And so the company made a copy of my Lulot head joint and created a sort of a hybrid model. And but interestingly, when they sent the original platinum flute to you, it didn't have the hybrid head joint, did it? No. And what I found really amazing was the fact that you knew straight away. So even though the original head joint was silver, the Louis lot that you're playing on, you're playing on a platinum-bodied flute, so you had a huge, great tonal expanse of sound qualities and sound colours. You knew that it wasn't that same cut. Yeah, it wasn't quite the same. Yeah, and they had to make another one, didn't they? They made another one, yeah. So, and I got a choice, and I remember a couple of times the, the company came over with a, a box full of head joints, <laughs> and, um, you know, eventually I found one. In fact, the... the the, the way I found it, to be honest, is that there was a platinum flute made for Michel Bellavance. Yes. 
was brought over and I tried this flute and I said, this is it, this is the head joint. I need this head joint. Well, I'm sorry you can't have it. It's going to Michel Belafonte. I said, would he know? <laughs> would he, you know, <laughs> can we just not give him one of this? No, 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 this is his flute. Okay, okay. Can I have a copy of, of this head joint? This is the cut right. that really works. And eventually then I got that cut of head joint. And that was working on the process of finding, is your gut telling you what was missing on something? Yes, you suddenly find one that you, it's almost like everything clicks and you feel that you can communicate in, in an easier way and that everything you try and do works on that particular head joint. So we're talking about advanced here. You have a dog tail tapping on the floor. Yeah, we've had this before, he's dreaming. Yeah, so that the tap you can hear is actually Pete dreaming. And he's, he's having a lovely dream, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so... It's not the loudest yeah. head joint you're after. Oh, good God, no, no. But a lot of people like loud head joints, don't they? Well, there's a, there's a fashion for just being loud rather being beautiful. Big sounds are not what's needed, it's beautiful sounds mm. and variety of sounds. And there's so much, although I've got a platinum flute, there's so much to discover on silver flutes. Absolutely. Or silver plated flutes or wooden flutes. Mm. There is so much to explore and discover. And so whatever flute you've got, work at it to try and discover what it can do. And that way, when you get to the point of wanting to upgrade, you've got a much better understanding of what the flute and the head joint can do. So if we flip back to your story about Julius Baker, the fact it was, he was the person making the sound, not the flute. Yes. So if you've got deficiencies in your own flute playing, it doesn't really matter what you upgrade to, does it? <laughs> Maybe not. But, you know, you still need to... And we're all learning. We all are thinking we could find maybe something better something different is that just our insecurities as flute players no i think that's our our sort of excitement about trying to improve all the time mm -hmm. and seek new developments and try and do something a little bit better i mean it's really exciting when new things come on the market and you go and try things out as long as it's not a too big a compromise yes but it's been like having a head joint that's this is my triple tongue in head joint this is my this well, is my tonal head joint. And so, sometimes that can happen yeah. because, I mean, I had a, a, this, I had a beautiful Ulot flute that was a very quiet, very subtle, very beautiful sounding instrument. It, would, it was useless for sitting in the orchestra. It was, the mechanism was a little bit fragile. I couldn't do hours of practice, but perfect for chamber music recitals. Mm. Something with a little bit of more of an intimate setting. Um, but I wouldn't practice for hours on it because it would probably fall apart. If, if Bill Dowdle, the professor of flutes at the Royal Academy of Music in Ireland, in Dublin, yes. was here, he would remind me of one of his albums where each of the tracks was played on a different flute because mm. that flute represented what he could get, yes. how he could interpret that in a different piece. Yes. So he was on a Kingma System flute for one piece, he was on a Louis Lot for two pieces, yeah. he was on a platinum flute for another piece, there yeah. was a bit of gold on another, because they each gave him the flexibility and the tonal uh, qualities that he felt best represented that piece. Now that's taken it to the extreme, isn't it? It is, it is, but you know, it's everybody's different. Uh, I used to do a, um, 
a sort of a, a lecture recital on the history of the flute, and it was much more interesting than the title suggests here. But I would have many different flutes and different combinations, from Baroque to wooden to silver, silver plate, silver, mm. platinum. Didn't have, a, didn't have gold. And I would talk through the development of the flute. I did have a recorder, but I didn't play it. <laughs> um, not my favourite instrument. It's, it's a wonderful instrument played by the right people, yes. not me. So I didn't, use the, didn't play the recorder, but I have a Baroque flute, which I would play something on, and then talk about how the flute developed, and then the audience can hear the different sounds that each flute makes. Mm. And also, then if you try... I, I've, I have a Rudelkart flute, which has got a, a wooden flute, which is, makes a beautiful but very different sound and then also try I had a wooden head joint that fitted on my silver flute which created a different sound color mm -hmm. and then I played pieces that were written at the times of the flutes so my silver flute I would play Debussy Syrinx or 4 APS which were the flutes around at that time on my Lulot flute mm -hmm. each flute would play a different period of music and it, it works very well. Again, it's a, it's a good, isn't it good educational, but interesting concert for the, for the audience. But you are exactly right when you say don't automatically think that if you're going to gold, that silver just doesn't give you what gold does. No, it's I mean, I tried a gold flute. I, when I was looking to, to upgrade, I tried gold and I found it restrictive. It restricted what I could, what I personally could do. I'm not going to tell my students don't buy a gold flute because you'll be res restricted. No, because they may not be restricted. They won't yeah. be restricted. No, for me personally, it restricted me, and I, I went. I knew I wanted to upgrade to Miyazawa, and I went to the Miyazawa factory in Japan, and I tried gold flute, and everyone went, "Oh yes, oh lovely, lovely, lovely." And then I picked up, and I thought, this, this sounds beautiful. And then I picked up a platinum flute, and they went, ah, mm. something different. And it was, and I could play. I had more freedom. I, could, I had more contrast. I had more control. So for me, it, for me, the platinum flute worked. I think platinum only works if you're a very, very good player, because it is such a powerful beast, isn't it? Well, it can be, but, it, but it's also the most exquisitely, could be the most exquisitely beautiful, quiet mm. playing that you can do, that I could do on the platinum that I couldn't quite do on the other flutes. I've always found when I've tried platinum, I can't hide. <laughs> but some platinums are just very loud. Yeah. So again, we're, we're talking about different, different makes of flutes and, and different styles. And that's why you have to try everything. And if you make a trip to a, a, a flute specialist shop and you don't find that combination that works for you, don't buy something that feels wrong. Wait. I, I always used to say that to my students, you know you've got the right flute when you don't want to put it down. <laughs> and I, and this is, so this is my experience. When I was at college, I, I went to college playing on a student model Yamaha. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to, my upgrade was a, a second-hand uh, Muramatsu. And then, I might have told the story before in a previous podcast, but 
um, William Bennett was selling a flute and he thought he had a buyer in Manchester and sent this flute up to Manchester. And it was a Muramatsu flute with an Al but Albert Cooper tuned it and it had an Albert Cooper head joint and it was open G sharp. And the person who thought they might buy it had already got another flute. They weren't interested. So this flute was sitting in the flute studio. And I picked this flute up. I didn't know how to play open G sharp. Then I played closed G sharp. And I started playing this flute. And I suddenly thought, wow, this is just miraculous. This is the most fantastic thing I've ever tried in my life. I don't want to put this flute down. So I said, can I just take this flute away for a day? And in that day, I was trying to get my fingers around open G sharp. But more importantly, I was creating sounds that I'd never created before. I went, did the flute class the next day, where we all, I remember we were all in a row playing some tone exercises. And there was a, a the chap next to me, he just, Look, I, I, we were playing something, and out came this incredible sound in the low register. And he turned around and said, "What was that?" I said, "I said I don't really know, but something about this flute allows me just to sort of create something." He said, "Well, that's just the most beautiful sound." I said, "Yeah, I can't believe it." And uh, so I couldn't put it down, and I just said, "I've got to buy this flute." I borrowed money from everybody. So in case it's, it's like falling in love, isn't it? Fell in love with it almost. Instantaneously. So if you're not feeling attracted to it, like you would be a boyfriend or a girlfriend or your partner or your husband or your <laughs> wife, then as you say, don't buy it. Don't buy it, no. You've, you've got, there's got to be this connection, this feel, this, you know, this, an empathy with your instrument. Your instrument becomes like, it's part of you. It's like having an extra arm. You know, it's, it's your emotional being. Yeah, so don't go back, don't go out with the thought that I'm going to buy X brand, X head joint, because until you fall in love with it, you know, you don't have a relationship with it. You have a relationship yep. with a brand, not your third arm that it's going to become. Yep. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, when, so that the, the, the question was sent in by Derek, mm. Derek Long in Manchester. And, you know, at 17, it's, it's difficult to know. But that's why we have specialist shops to help guide you. Not say you've got to buy this flute, but say these are the options. And, but he has to do some planning before he goes and tries them. Mm. So to make sure he's got a list of short excerpts that he can play, so he can compare with each flute doing a simple tune. We don't know what flute is on now, so it could be taking your advice, go and try head joints on his flute, yes. and that could give him everything he wanted. Might do, yes. Or it could be that, the, that he's got a... The body is, is old and leaking and mm. just not working properly, and he just puts a, a new flute on the end of his head joint, and he says, well, hallelujah. Yeah, they're just... The Holy Grail is not there for everybody, is it? No, but it's, it does take time and consideration, so not to jump into it too quickly. My brain is still on you in that practice room with the open G sharp, never having played it before. Now, open G sharp, for, what I want you to do is to visualise 
a normal flute and you'll know there's a G-sharp key, which is what your little finger on your left hand works. Now that little key, when you on a normal flute, a modern day flute, it opens up the G-sharp key at the back. There's a, a tone hole at the back. However, in the, Claire, in the flute that Claire's referencing, there isn't a hole in the back. The G-sharp key is attached to the key at the front. Yes. That your third finger is on. Yes. There is no hole at the back, so it's open. So you put fingers down to go down the flute, take fingers up to go up. So whenever your little finger on a closed G-sharp flute is down, mm. mine's up. When yours is up, mine's down. Yeah, so a G-sharp would be the current G-fingering, and the G-fingering will be the current G-sharp fingering. Yes. It just flicks those two notes around. It is completely understandable, and it's completely logical... It's original bone system. Original bone system. It's in tune. But my goodness, it, um, it drives me mad when I try and yeah. do it. You don't need gizmos like splitties or the rings to go in the hole to ah. stop the top notes splitting. And it took you 24 hours to get used to it? Well, I think that I, because I was so happy with this flute, I knew the next day I, there was a class and I was down to play Schubert theme of variations. So I played the Schubert theme of variations. I did get a little bit lost in the the fourth variation, you know, the mm -hmm. hemi, demi, semi, quaver yeah. variation. But on the whole, I got through it. And it wasn't until uh, about a year later I was playing in a, in a summer school to William Bennett and playing Prokofiev, first movement that I suddenly had a blank and I just couldn't remember the fingerings in the third octave. I just got suddenly terribly confused. And I remember him saying something like, you know, that, that can happen, that you, you, play by, you play by habit, but if you start to think about it, you can suddenly switch. And also I found that when I was teaching, watching my students play closed G-sharp flute, I could immediately pick their flute up and play anything. And I'd come back to my open G-sharp flute and have to think again. Mm. Um, but it is the logical system, open G-sharp. I would recommend everyone to go and get one. <laughs> Absolutely everyone. It frees your fingers up. It's easier. It's more logical. Um, your fingers fly. Technique is better for it. We digress as usual. Well, that's my fault. I always digress as <laughs> well. <laughs> right, I think we've come to the end of the podcast, Claire. Already? We, we have already. The thought of head joints and choosing a flute is... It, it isn't an easy job. No, but we all have to do it. And we have to trust the emotional response we get from it. Doesn't, it can't be the loudest, can't be the quietest, can't be the one that gives us the best articulation. As you say, it's a compromise... But we've got to fall in love with the compromise. Yeah, you have to fall in love with that flute. But it, it will generally be a compromise. Oh. And but on what that... fun. What fun that we can go and try so many different flutes. I think keep that in mind. Really keep open-minded. Go for a place that gives you the most choice. And think it's fun. It's exciting. It's uplifting. Don't make it into a depressing sort of job to do. It's a really uplifting and exciting uh, thing to do. And as Jeffrey Gilbert said, it's just a flute, it's just a head joint. Just a flute, it's just a head joint, but it's 
will become personal to you. And if you're attracted to it and you can fall in love with it, then, yeah, how exciting. Yeah, that's the one for you. And what a great way to end the podcast, Claire. Yep. Is this Talking Flutes or Talking Flutes? Excellent. This is definitely Talking Flutes because so it's pinch questions. It. I can't questions are Talking Flutes. Okay, I can't pinch this one. Yep. So from Talking Flutes this week, it's thank you from me, Jean-Paul, and obviously from the host, Claire. Yep, thanks very, very much for listening, everyone. And if you have questions to ask, you know where to send them. And obviously there is a Talking Flutes Facebook page. Yep. And really, you can just, just message us. Absolutely. Which people are doing. Good. So you find, do find us on social media, and please keep listening. Indeed, please keep. And from a lovely sunny hove, nice to see you all. See you all? We can't see anybody, can we? No. But nice to see you, John Paul. Bye for now. Bye for now, everybody. Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.